0: everyone and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino and I am your host. Each week we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is a distinguished military veteran who honorably served our country for over 20 years in the United States Air Force as a cyberspace operations officer. He is an experienced, energetic leader with a passion for developing people, enhancing business and implementing faith in the workplace. It is my pleasure to welcome Aaron Banks to our show. Aaron, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, right? Thanks for having me on. It's good stuff.
0: Oh, no problem. We're happy to have you here. Aaron, why don't you tell our listeners a little something about yourself and maybe throw in a fun fact that many people may not know about you?
1: Well, I am a native of North Carolina, served over 20 years in the military, which landed us here in Texas. My wife and I, we um, opened up a real estate investing business here in good old San Antonio. And that was towards my later years inside the military. And then when I actually retired, I was thinking, hey, well, I got a nice cush job of working in real estate investing. And then my wife and I discovered something as we were kind of going along that we don't work well together. And so she fired me and I went to go work for C12. And so now I get to work with the business owners and CEOs figuring out challenging problems. And so that's kind of the thing we look at. We laugh about, you know, other than the business side, and we get along great. Our marriage, we've been married for over 20 years. Now we've got two great kids. Yeah, just really enjoying life right now. Probably the thing that most people don't know about me is that I have an infatuation with cherry flavored chapstick. I just <laughs> I, I just realized, I was thinking about this question. And I was like, you know what? I've been using the same flavored chapstick since I was like probably 14 or 15 years old. And even when I was deployed, my wife would send me like a variety of chapsticks in the desert that's some stuff you need. I would never use the other flavors. I'd always use the cherry one and give the other ones away, and sometimes I even came back with all the other flavors. Cherry chapstick was the only thing that I really used, and I still use it today, so... (laughs) Chapstick <laughs> needs a sponsor. I'm probably the guy because I've been using it for over 30 years. There are not too many relationships I have like that.
0: <laughs> What's your longest relationship uh, <laughs> with
1: Gary Chapstick? <laughs> <You're testing. laughs>
0: well, you know, I've I've heard people getting fired on their day off, but I haven't heard very many people getting fired by their wife. So that's a new <laughs> yeah. one for me too. So <laughs> yeah, so that's
1: pretty good. Yeah, at least that's my version of the story, and I'm sticking with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't ask her though, you right? Don't ask her. She has a different version. It's all good. I want to delve into your uh, Air Force career. What is a cyberspace operations officer? That is just a, a
1: cool title. <laughs> We're basically um, information technology uh, folks, and inside the IT realm, you've got various things you can do. But we start to what we call operationalize cyber, and that was basically use it to create war fighting effects. When people think of the military normally're thinking, yeah, right, we're, we're dropping bombs or shooting and all that. well, there's another side of this that you can also integrate electronics and things inside the digital realm to actually create effects on the battlefield. And so I was involved in a lot of operations to do that. Uh, it's a lot of things that we can't talk about, but there was just a way of integrating and helping us become more lethal as an entire uh, military force by using things in that digital area, in that digital space.
0: That's amazing technology today in itself. I mean, you could shut down a whole city if you wanted to with one button. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy. What led you into your your military career? Is this something you thought about growing up or was there a, a certain time in your life where you're
1: like, you know what, I think military is the way to go? Well, it actually started with my dad. He served in the army for four years. He was a Vietnam veteran. He returned home and it was kind of like always instilled in him like his time there. And uh, I have two older brothers, and as they were kind of coming up, we all kind of had this military thing kind of like geared in us. And so my oldest brother went off to the Navy. My um, second oldest brother, he went to the, off to the Air Force, and then I came along and I did the Air Force route, too. So we kind of have a military family, if you will. I also like to think back to, I think this thing was like really ingrained in me as I was growing up as a child. Another infatuation I had was a GI Joe. Uh, so I don't know if you know G.I. Joe the Real American Hero those guys were awesome I uh that was my cartoon I watched that thing and it was just I had the action figures I have had a huge collection of them and I just always had this infatuation with the military and so it was kind of that and like I said my uh the adult figures in my life of my family and all that kind of just helped make it clear it's like the military is a great way to serve and give back to your country and even when I went in I was not expecting to go as long as i uh, did uh, i just wanted to like do it serve see what it was about and then i just kind of felt the need to just continue to serve and move forward and that's what kind of kept me in for uh, the long haul there
0: well wow. and thank you for your service by the way now uh, i would come home from school around three fifteen every day and at three thirty, gi joe would come on and i would watch flint and, flint and duke chase uh cobra commander and destro around
1: the world. Exactly. So I'm I'm right there with you. Exactly. I'm right there with you, brother. Uh, there it is. <laughs> and that cartoon was so way ahead of its time. And like I even showed it to my kids. I was like, look, look at those cartoons <laughs> especially you remember the uh the little segments they would have after the entire show <laughs> like it'd be like good positive messages about how to approach dogs, you know? How to you know be friends? How to take care of people? Knowing is half the battle is like, yep. their thing. But I would like show that to my kids, and they're like they're they were kind of like they liked it, and you know. So you don't get too many cartoons like that anymore.
0: How how cool would it be if I ended every podcast with knowing your purpose is half the battle? Yeah. <laughs> go Joe. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> That would be fun. That'd be that'd be a good time. So then joining the military, uh, what got you into cyberspace operations? Is that a path that you were interested in from the beginning or is there uh, something that kind of segued you into it?
1: Uh, yeah, it was really the whole IT. Our career field did a big shift from just being IT service providers because everyone needed communication capability inside the military. Whatever you were doing, uh, you relied on a lot of systems and Uh, We were the backbones for that. Uh, And then it was just over time, it morphed into, all right, well, let's since we know as a military, we rely heavily on this, let's start developing it into a war fighting capability. And so it kind of just merged and led into that. I thought about being a pilot as well, but my eyes weren't the greatest at the time. And I knew I'd have to get surgery. And back then the surgery was still a little experimental. Uh, So I was like, let me just stick to something I kind of know. You know, I like working with computers. I like being on the networks, and it was just like a, another little side thing for me. But as I kind of d- dive deeper and deeper into it, I could understand the effects, what the impact that could be generated from you know really leveraging this this tool. And so it just kind of sparked from there, man. It was really just a hobby. really liked it and just kept going with it. And so that's what kind of just led me off on that path to really just get involved and continue to do it.
0: What'd you like best about it?
1: When I was actually on the defense side, at one point I was responsible for a um, large organization that basically defended the entire Air Force portion of the Department of Defense network. And so having that responsibility, it's twenty four seven job. Obviously, get a lot of visibility. The stuff goes wrong <laughs> when you're doing your job. No one notices, but when something goes wrong, and sometimes I did, you get some notoriety. So um, I enjoyed that portion of it. But the cool thing about it, it was people. It was always the people. Regardless, I had many jobs throughout my tenure, and it was always the people. You know, I was always say, all right, well, you know, we're in charge of these machines, and you know, they can do some wonderful things, but they can't do anything without people. And so it was always looking to see how I could really help and better my people to carry out this mission. And so that's kind of, you know, where I took it from the leadership standpoint, because at some point I had to come off of the keyboard and actually creating these effects to taking care of the people who were on the keyboard. And so I had to really look and learn and develop my leadership skills over time with this. You know, working on how do I make people better? And I think people are really
0: drawn to you. I remember the first time I met you, uh, you walked up and smiled really big. And that smile, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy is a brother. (laughs) You didn't even have to say a word to me. (laughs) You know, I was like, we're going to be friends. You're, you're, You're very welcoming in your presence. And I'm sure a lot of people appreciate that and were drawn to it. And so you go from cyberspace, still still in the military, and start real estate investments. It's a totally different space, if you will, you know, from what you're doing. What what led you to that? So that was
1: my wife's passion and it bled over to me. And so Mm -hmm. what we were doing is we noticed that over time, as we were moving from place to place, we were buying our houses and then, you know, we'd leave and rent them out. We just kind of did that. That was our routine. And mm-hmm. when we moved to San Antonio, this is our second time in San Antonio, we linked up with another investor who says, you guys need to start monetizing this. And we're like, what? I mean, because we're still a military family. <laughs> it was like, what does all that mean? And so we started uh, kind of just getting mentored by him and getting introduced to his entire network. And we learned how to really leverage um, these situations because there's more than one way to buy a house. And so mm-hmm. once we kind of like started looking at those strategies and understanding what it could, what you could do with this and how you could actually help people, especially folks who were on the verge of foreclosure, there was ways to actually get them out of a bad situation. That's what kind of intrigued me a little bit more about it is not just the bottom line to this and you know, making the money off of it, but it was really about how can you help people? How can you save their credit, therefore saving their lifestyle? and therefore decreasing the negative impact upon their family. And so we literally got into it kind of that way with that intent. And how we started the business is really we had to go and find, out well, who would be interested in selling their home? And so we had to go and get a list of foreclosures from the courthouse. And literally my wife and I would spend the afternoon, I call it bird dogging, where you would uh, go and knock on these uh, addresses, knock on their doors and just walk up to them, hey, are you interested in selling your house? And got some great responses, got some not-so-great responses, but got more great responses than Mm -hmm. (laughs) not-so-great. You got to start somewhere, and that's where we started, like knocking on doors and just talking to people and just seeing what we could do to help them out of their situation. And that kind of started it and kind of went from there. So that was... Kind of how I made my transition because it was still, once again, about people and helping people.
0: That's a great story, getting into investment, investing real estate to help people. Now, how would something like that work? Do you purchase their house, then rent it back to them or purchase their house and sell it back to them?
1: There are like 12 different strategies you can use. And that's why I like it, because it's not just one set solution to resolve their issue. But a typical solution was that we purchase the house. We take over their mortgage payments. So we had one side that was where, you know, who are distressed sellers. There were the people who are in the home right now. And then we also had another side where we knew people who were looking to buy a home as well, but they could not go get loans from the bank in the traditional sense. Now, these are your, your entrepreneur types who put all their money into getting their business started. And now they have money, but they just have poor credit. And so when you kind of know those folks as well, uh, just from just kind of putting yourself out there and you got some leads inside this network and you got this these distressed sellers well here we are coming in the middle as kind of the brokers of this whole deal and so you know we can take the home wrap their mortgage up set up a mortgage and bring in this new buyer and work out the deal with them and so now the family they can move out of that home into to somewhere else they will still get their credit saved And then we can bring in this other buyer who needs a home as well. And so we kind of broker that whole deal and it can look a lot of different ways, but typically we're just operating in the middle there. And yeah, sometimes we'll purchase the home outright. Sometimes we'll work on a rent to own from that buyer standpoint, because once again, they're trying to build their credit. So they just need a runway to do that. And so we provide that vehicle for them as well. And at the same time, the seller on that side, we've saved their credit because now they are not going into foreclosure. So, you know, trying to work it out so that mm-hmm. everyone walks away
0: happy. Well, you're, you're connecting people. Yeah. You're conduit. That's one commonality that I've found through all of our interviews with entrepreneurs here on the show is that everybody does what's called intentional networking, intentional connecting. So you're connecting people, not necessarily for yourself, but for a greater purpose, kind of like C12. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's awesome that you're able to do that. And you were inspired to do that. And so I'm, I'm sure you you helped a lot of people and saved a lot of lives. My question, though, coming into that sounds like you're doing a great job with the real estate moving forward in the military. Why in the world would your wife fire you? <laughs> you know, that was coming. <laughs>
1: Well, this is where it kind of goes back to, you know, our purpose and intent. And so, like, I love the intent, I love the purpose, but the real estate side and working in that area, it was her passion. I jumped into it and I was I was in it for the people and she is as well. But, you know, you could tell when someone's there and they're matched their, their passion and their purpose is behind it versus someone who's just there and they're doing it and they're working it. And they're more of a support role, and so I felt that was more of a support role for her to kind of uh, get her, that thing launched off. And you know, we just came to realizing we have two different leadership styles as well. She's actually a, uh, a reservist. We actually met at the uh, Air Force Academy, so <laughs> she's, she's. nice. Yeah, she's she's got her military background too, and she's currently still a reservist. Now, she's been a reservist for yeah, you know, almost uh, 14 years here. But all that time I was active duty and there's a there's a slight difference between reservist and active duty inside of that sphere. And she was in a different career field as well. And so we just lead differently all together in, in that sense. And so we just noticed that our styles weren't like as in sync as they probably should have been. And I was this is kind of your thing. <laughs> this is what I was telling her. This is really yours. And so I don't I felt like I was being led and called to do something else. So something I've been praying about, especially as I made the transition, because I feel like whenever we're in this transition space from one thing over to the next, you become really in tune to what God has in store for you. And so I was really praying about what is that next thing. And it just wasn't full-time real estate. Now I still help out. I still give her advice, consult and all that stuff. And we talk about some of these problems because my name's still on some of it. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, she doesn't need me in a day to day. She's a brilliant, intelligent woman. And, she actually grew the business larger after I left. So it was, it's great. <laughs> it's great. <But laughs> she, didn't, she didn't need my dead weight holding her back. <laughs> so, so it's all good.
0: Well, then we get into your purpose. So now your next transition was into C12. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what C12 is for our listeners?
1: The way I put it is on paper, it's a peer advisory group, it's a collection of business leaders who come together to solve uh, difficult issues. Our mission statement is we equip Christian CEOs and business owners to build great businesses for a greater purpose. And so how we do that is we do the peer advisory group format where we bring these leaders together once a month in a group of 12, and we go through business content. We talk about what's going on inside their business life what's going on inside their personal life, but it's all integrated. And that's our probably our dominant selling idea. If you want to put it in that perspective, is most peer advisory groups focus on the business. Well, we focus on the whole person. And even stronger than that, it's the faith component that we also bring to the mix as well. Because I mean we can understand that you know we are all as business leaders, we're placed in these positions because God put us there. And so we're very upfront with this. When we discuss this with our owners, like God owns your business. You are a steward of that business. So regardless of the title that you hold, you are a steward. And so that mindset kind of like clicks things it makes us, it puts us in a different uh, mind frame and a different discussion platform as well. So we get together, we talk about those difficult issues. We do some deep dives and also as a chair, I get to facilitate those meetings and I get to coach those uh, CEOs and business owners one-on-one at least once a month and walk them through anything that they may be going through. It's a journey. It's really just a journey and we're just walking alongside each other. And so that's kind of what C12 is in a a nutshell.
0: I'm a member of C12 and it's saved me. A lot of times, I've been a member for several years now, and I can't give our advisory board enough credit for all of the components that they've helped me with, not only in business, but in life and in my marriage and in finding balance in my life. I mean, the whole reason I think that we're here today is because of great advice I have found from my balance wheel through C12, mm-hmm. right? It's helped me figure out what works best for me when it comes to rest, recreation, fitness, nutrition, spiritual, my walk with God, my wife, my kids. I'm going through the whole wheel, which yeah, you know, <laughs> the it, whole it, wheel. it is what it is. Yeah. But but it, it's definitely you explained it perfectly and it's definitely a great organization and, and I'm glad that you're a part of it. Now, what led you to C12? Was there a pivotal moment where you were like, you know what, something has to change?
1: Yeah, when I were Tired, I was looking for, um, it was that sensing and that calling that it was time to make a change. I felt God was like really sending me messages. <laughs> I tell people, you know, God didn't speak to me like Moses through a burning bush, but it's just like, <laughs> there, was, there are other ways he was speaking to me. He was speaking to me through what I was reading at the time when I was in this transition phase from the military to whatever the next thing was coming. I was reading Francis Chan's book, uh, Crazy Love. And he's talking about approaching things with an eternal perspective. And I was like, man, that is so great because considering everything I had come from inside my military career, I was plopped into organizations to help them run, uh, make them better. And that was always our charge mm-hmm. like, leave the place better than the way you found it. And so as I was moving from these organizations to organizations, you know, I come in, make changes, get the place up and running, let it be better. And then I check on that place. And then a couple of years later, and this, not running (laughs) as efficient and, 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 and so that kind of like made me think, I was like, all right, so all that's really temporary. A lot of the changes we put in place is temporary. And I was just like, God, you know, the next thing that we do, I want it to have an eternal uh, focus. I want it to matter, truly matter in Mm. eternity and not just here in the temporal. Um, And so it was through that reading um, that's really started to like change my mind and shift my focus And then even at my retirement ceremony, there just so happened to be a C-12 chair in the audience who I was good friends with. And at the time, I don't even think I could spell C-12 back then. I didn't know much (laughs) about it. And he heard me speak during the ceremony. And I gave my testimony uh, at the ceremony because, you know, if you've ever been to a military retirement ceremony, you have an uh, officiating officer who gets up and talks about all the great things you've done inside the military and I never really talk about a lot of those things that I've done, not because I'm ashamed or anything. I just I just uh, choose not to. But that C12 chair, that was the first time he had really heard anyone speak about me in that manner. He was only familiar with things that I had done as far as we were in Bible study fellowship together. But then in this whole another area for him opened up and he saw like this whole another side. And so he got to see that leadership side. Then after that presenter went, I actually gave my speech and then I was the only reason why all those things happen was because God placed me in these situations and God equipped me for these, because on paper, I'm not the guy (laughs) Uh, on paper. You go, I'm not the guy, but God. Right. And so God, I believe puts us in these situations. They're challenging situations. They grow us and they shape us and he shapes us and he makes us whole inside of that. And so, I was able to kind of get up and speak. And then at the end of the ceremony, my friend who's the chair, he comes up and says, hey, I need you to come and talk to some more of us uh, about, you know, you and what you're going to do next. And so then I go and speak with him and he's like, yeah, we're in C12 and this is what we do, kind of what we just talked about earlier. And he's like, yeah, we believe in integrating business and faith. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I've been trying to do that on my own for years and I've struggled with it. And you're telling me that you've got a way of doing this. I was kind of skeptical, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I would say I was very skeptical, but he's like, come and see. And so I went and I attended some of their uh, peer advisory group forums. Man, I was just blown away With you have these business leaders who are in here and who are very upfront about their belief in Jesus. And they were actually laying everything out. I mean, we're talking business and yet we're talking marriages. We're talking family. We're talking how we deal with employees. I mean, there was nothing that was off the table. And so I saw that numerous times over a few months as I was going through a discernment period. And I just felt God kept calling me and calling me. He's like, this is where we need to be. This is what we need to be doing at this time. And I was just challenged during one of my last visits to a forum. And one of the guys asked, you know, he was like, hey, considering everything that you've seen about C12, why would you not become a chair? And <laughs> I said... Oh, all right. We're going to go there. Let's talk, Let's think about this. And I, and, I, and I was like, there was no reason why this did not make sense, uh, why I should not. do this. There was nothing I could throw out there. And it was just like, God was very clear. It's like, now's the time. And so after that meeting, I told the uh, uh, C12 chair I was working with. time. I was like, I'm on board and let's go. And so that's what happened. That's how we kind of ended
0: up in C12. What a great story. You said a couple of things. I love your eternal perspective mm-hmm. because that's exactly what it takes, right? We're here to serve others, and we're here to grow God's kingdom, but not for this world, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's for our eternity. And then I love the way you said, but God, because you can insert that into anything. Yeah, I was actually picturing a T-shirt that said, but God, dot, 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 <laughs> that, I, that I may have made and start wearing. Because that that was fantastic. Now, how would you define purpose in your life? We know where you're at. We know what you're thinking about. You've got the eternal perspective. But how would Aaron Banks define purpose?
1: I look at purpose from a standpoint of, um, if I go back to the Westminster Catechism, the chief end of man. You know, what's the chief end of man is to love God, to know God, to worship God, to glorify God. So that is purpose for me as a follower of Christ. Now, inside of that umbrella, there are specifics that follow down from that. You know, as far as in this particular line of work, my purpose is to equip Christian CEOs and business owners. And that's my professional purpose from that standpoint. And that's what I define that as. What am I doing inside of that realm there? now I also have some other purpose as well <laughs> kind of going back to the higher level it just flows down and I've got a purpose inside of my family as well I've got a purpose that I need to lead them and probably the key component with you know what I'm doing inside of business what I'm doing with my family and what I'm doing with others is this intentional discipleship, you know, and Ooh. walking with others? Because I mean, honestly, that's you know what we're looking at when we look at Jesus's commandments to us and what He's directing us to do to go and make disciples. And so I can we can do that inside the business realm, and that's what I'm doing, journeying alongside leaders. I definitely need to do that inside of my family uh, with mm-hmm. my wife and my two young boys. I've got to definitely do that, and I'm intentional with that as well. And then my relationship with others, how am I pointing them towards Jesus? You know, when I look at what legacies left behind after I'm gone, I don't want them to totally look at me per se. I want them to be pointed towards Jesus. And so that's what I spend a lot of my time trying to focus and center my conversations around is making sure that I'm being intentional. But pointing them towards the one who knows all, the one who has the truth, the one who loves them. That's what I look at as like my overall purpose. And I know I use a lot of words and I've said a lot there, but I kind of like since that's kind of, you know, what I'm this season of my life is all about is gearing people towards discipleship, being intentional with that. And being very very purposeful in that approach.
0: You said two words that I absolutely love intentional discipleship that statement right there is strong that that's purpose in itself yeah out of everything you said you described exactly what intentional discipleship is and this is the first time I've ever heard those two words together I've heard intentional thinking and all kinds of intent but no one has ever said intentional discipleship which is absolutely strong now how do you find balance in your life through everything that you're doing your father you're a husband, you're a chair at C12, which I know keeps you busy, you're a successful retiree. You still assist your wife with the real estate too, but how do you find balance? What keeps you centered?
1: I try to look at it from the standpoint of what am I doing for others? And once again, tying it back to, you know, is this truly going to matter? You know, mm. and it can manifest in ways and different different manner of ways it can come across, you know, depending on what the season is, you know, there may be some seasons where I am... You know, like I spend an entire day when I facilitate a forum at the cost of maybe there's something going on, you know, with my family. But I work that out with my wife and she understands what I'm doing inside that room because a lot can happen, as you know, inside that room mm-hmm. in an eight hour day. <laughs> like lives mm-hmm. can literally mm-hmm. be changed, can be literally saved. And not only just with the people inside that room, but it's the people that they're leading. And so mm-hmm. that is significant in itself right there. And so if I have to miss a lunch date or have to reschedule something like that, that's okay. We we get that. We'll, we'll we'll work around that. And then there's other times where, you know, there's a game going on or an event for one of my kids. They need to see me there in the crowd because, you know, this is a huge uh, achievement or a significant achievement for them and they need to do that. And so maybe I don't go to this meeting with they. Uh, with a member at a time, maybe we can reschedule that. It varies from season to season. And so I try to look for a way to harmonize all these things because Mm. even the way I work, it's not on a nine to five type schedule. I mean, that's just not how work is defined nowadays. I think we just have to be open. It's just different now. I could be doing some stuff in C12, like early in the morning from say eight to 10, break off, go Work out for a little bit, then go to lunch with somebody that's not even involved with C12, or you know, just maybe another um, one of my Bible study fellowship groups. Then come back to go meet with the C12 member, and then go back and go you know, do something with my kids. It's just I try to find a way to integrate all of this together, so that once again I can look back on this and say, all right, well, what am I doing for others? How am I helping others inside of this? And I do checks as well. And so, like one of the cool things you mentioned the wheel um i actually will ask my wife you know it like literally how am i doing uh in this marriage and family portion of the wheel i mean do you feel like you're getting the right amount of time with me i mean are we going out enough are we doing enough things you know with you know so i seek feedback from others as well others that i you know have relationship with who can give me that honest feedback. And I think that's what helps me kind of get this balance thing down as well, because it's like a constant pouring into others and then going back and seeing, all right, is this effective? Is this working out? Am I falling short somewhere? (laughs) Give me some feedback. Let me know. And that way I can make some adjustments there.
0: I love how you utilize your community. You know, from your family to co-chairs to people in your C12, you're not about yourself. You're, you're living a good, balanced life. And then you, you've dropped a lot of great value bombs. I'm going to go ahead and say that now. Uh, the one thing that really sticks out with me is something that I think I need to start asking myself before making any kind of decision, and it's, is this going to matter? That's a great question that all of us should probably ask before making any kind of decision, right? Who's this going to affect? Is this going to matter? Are we serving the greater good with this? That's another t-shirt I'm going to (laughs) make.
1: I want to buy some of these t-shirts you're talking about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean you get royalties? (laughs) (laughs) Now, in today's world, many people struggle to find their purpose or meaning in their lives. What's some advice you would give someone, a teenager or a young adult who's trying to find themselves and are just really lost?
1: Man, there's so many distractions out there. It is a, a great question because it seems like um, this is one of my uh, passion points. It's like everything distracts us out. When we look at social media, you know, when we look at some of these magazines and what they're telling us. It's like everyone's like pointing towards like serving themselves. There's like something that's always like pointing towards mm hey, you know, find your true value and looking within, you know, all these little catchphrases that are out. It's like, that's garbage, man. Um, (laughs) I mean, just, you know, when we look at it, our our human cells, inside of ourselves, we are broken people in need of a savior. Mm -hmm. And so we can't look inside of ourselves to find that true meaning, find that purpose. When I look at this from the perspective of, what Jesus said, you know, what's the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love others as yourself. And so, inside of that, that's where I sensed that, that's where I kind of like looked at it from the standpoint. There's purpose, and there's definitely intent, and he laid it out there, because mm-hmm. the other part to that, what he said is, all the other laws hang on those. And so, it's like, all right, you got love mm-hmm. God, and you got love others, which we, you know, kind of paraphrase. So, even for the Christian and the non Christian alike, I still see that point in there as far as what are you doing to serve others? And so if someone asked me that question, like, how do you find purpose? Well, I look at it from the standpoint of, all right, so what are you doing when you experience passion in serving others? That's the question I kind of look at it from the standpoint. What are you doing when you experience passion in serving others? And I had to think through that one because it's, What are we doing when we experience this passion? I didn't say joy when we experience sadness, because even in doing and doing your purpose, you can go through a range of emotions. But ultimately, the one that's going to keep driving you is that passion that you're going to feel. And so then I cap it all like serving others. So let's take it away from serving ourselves to serving others. And so what are we doing in that? What helps us get out of bed in the morning? Because I meet leaders who are ready to sell the business and move on. They're just frustrated. I was like, all right, well, let's Mm -hmm. go back to the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing (laughs) when you experience passion and serving others? What kind of got you to this point? What was your main driving factor that said, hey, this is the business I need to be in. This is what I need to be doing. This is who I need to be serving. What got us there? And so that's their purpose. And for anyone who's struggling... I always go to, all right, well, when you serve others, what's driving this? And what is that feeling like to you? And if the feeling is something that you want to replicate and you want to keep feeling that way, then you've found your purpose.
0: Gosh, that is such a great question. And you just took me back to when I started my journey, uh, which actually got me to C12 and started the journey on this Balanced Purpose podcast and my personal business is. At that moment... I was in a state of surrender. I gave everything up, and you'll hear this in my other podcast, but the first thing I saw when I looked up was Mark ten forty five, mm-hmm. for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom. And then it's one of those things where I discovered that up until that point, I was just serving myself yeah. and not really paying much attention to my family or any of that. And uh, I had two young kids at the time, and and it's crazy how that all happened. And and when I just completely surrendered, everything just came to light. You know, you have to serve others starting at home with your family because all of that's going to radiate out. And then that's what started our business. Then when I got to C12 and heard this concept that you can minister – 300 times more people through your business than you can out on the streets. It just kind of blew my mind. And I'm, I'm like, what better way to serve others? And then that's how I came up with my title, the chief happiness officer. And just there it went. So what great advice. Now, one last question I wanted to ask. What legacy do you want to leave behind through all of the work that you do?
1: I think this goes back to looking at it from the standpoint of I want them to know that The work that I've engaged with them, everything I've done with them, it's not because Aaron Banks is just a good guy. I want them to see that there is a God, there is Jesus and the spirit resides in me. And everything that I was doing was helping them to point them towards Jesus. And to me, that is a very, very high standard. that I know I can't mm. meet, which is why I need Jesus. <laughs> but I, I was like, <laughs> I can't. I was like, I and myself. I was like, there's no way I can do all this. And that's why I need Him. And so, as I'm working with people, as I look at my kids, and it's just like leading them through a Bible study and just talking about the Bible, you know, and that's where I say the answers are right there. So, like everything that I'm telling you, I'm pulling from this book. That is very relevant, regardless of what culture may say. The Bible is very relevant, and if you can't believe any other book, <laughs> you need to be able to believe the Bible. Because if you look at it historically, it's it's you know been written over time by many eyewitnesses in different parts of the world. They're all saying the same thing. That is evidence. That <laughs> there are the books that we have produced today aren't as historically, religiously, philosophically, they aren't as accurate as the Bible, it's Just there's no comparison, and so you've got God's Word here that's like living and breathing, and it's pouring into you, and you have it available to you, and so you can always look at that, and so when I work with my kids, I'm just looking at, it's like, I want you guys to always point back and look, You know, this is where the Word is, and so everything, and, and check me, if there's something that I'm doing or saying that's not in accordance to God's Word, let's talk about that, and let's work through that, because I need to get better as well. The same thing inside the business uh, professionals I work with, you know, everything that we're doing, how are we, once again, pointing people towards Jesus? How are we doing that? Once again, this is discipleship. How how are we being intentional inside of that? And so that legacy um, that's left behind, I wanted to continue to go on because like you said, inside of that business area you can impact a lot more people. A pastor can influence 8 million people per year at about 12 hours of influence at a time. And that's like one person probably going to church one time a month. Now, Christians and non-Christians, so their influence is kind of like that. 8 million, possibly 12 hours a year. Whereas a business owner, a business leader can influence 118 million people year, non-Christians and Christians, and an influence rate of probably about 2,080 hours. So the comparison alone is just like, all right, well, there's a lot more that can be done inside that marketplace than inside a church. And we need we need both. Mm-hmm. But we need Christians to engage in this world to, you know, impact and share the love of God with others. And so just like it clicked for you when you heard something similar to that, it clicked for me as well. It's just like, this is where we need to be. We need to be engaging our culture. We need to be engaging our world. And so when we talk about these things, we need to be speaking about what we're for and how we need to be showing people how they are loved and how God is always, the door is always open for them, regardless of their situation. And that is the legacy that they need to see. You know, everything needs to be pointing back towards Jesus Christ.
0: That's awesome. And that's 100% accurate, especially in today's world where there's so much fog and distortion out there created by social media and just everything around us. Now, if our listeners wanted to get to know more about you and C12, is there a website or email they can go to to contact you?
1: Yes, sir. They can always go to joinc12.com. Uh, they can email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N uh, dot Banks at c12forums.
0: And I'll also attach this to our listener notes. And that way, if somebody wants to go in there, they can just log into the website and click on it and they'll go straight to you. Well, I thank you so much for being a part of our show today. Gosh, we got a lot of value bombs out of it. A lot of T-shirts and a lot of insightful strategies to think about. So thank you so much.
1: I love being on here, Ray. Thanks for having me.
0: Balanced Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino and is produced and edited by Nick Galtney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancepurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at Podcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.